I'm here with Naros Tolia for the Founders on Fire. Welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us for this Tech Trailblazers Founders on Fire podcast. I'm delighted that today I'm joined by Naros Tolia from Caston, which is now part of the V family. Hello, Naraj. Hi, Rose. So great to be here. Very excited about the conversation today. Yeah, likewise, likewise. And thank you for making the time in your diary because you've literally just been acquired. What is it, a couple of weeks ago? Hey, we announced it a couple of weeks ago. It closed only a few days before that. So as you can imagine, things have been very hectic, but in all the right ways. Excited to share about some of that for the listeners today too. Fantastic. Well, I'm delighted you could make a little bit of time in your diary. And um, yeah, so let's focus in a little bit. So um, obviously, Niraj, you've been in the sort of the storage world and now then obviously the the containers world, which is obviously where Kasten is. Um, and prior to that, you studied for a long time at Carnegie Mellon. So that's a <laughs> prestigious university engineering. Um so do you want to tell us a little bit about, first of all, your, um, you know, your adventure specifically with Caston? How did that come about and what is it you do there? Yeah, I'll walk through that point. So I think it just what you mentioned, everything in my career has been built on the things that came before it. And Caston was in some sense a very similar story. I've been working on storage and data management systems for a long time. Um, right between us and the viewers, I've tried to escape from it twice in my career, early on <laughs> in my career, and failed miserably at escaping from it. So now the joke is that I have is that data has gravity, and it refused to let me go. So I'm completely one with that at this point. But what happened was, right, the previous startup we were at, we got acquired. And one of the things that we started doing there is not what we're doing at Caston, but we started using Kubernetes for some of the applications we were building. Yeah. And very early days of Kubernetes, right, pre 1.0, I think if I look back in time, this was around the 2015 timeframe. Yeah. And when we looked at that actually the funny thing is my team started complaining right about using it yes the technology was a little early but they started complaining because the different pieces of software that different groups were developing were getting integrated faster so the integration pain was showing up at the part of development was at some later integration phase yeah and that's when the light bulb went off that this is going to change how people build and develop applications in the rapidly changing world, in the digital world, all of us live in today. Yeah. And so, you know, that was that about just Kubernetes taking off. And then at some point in time, I left uh, EMC, then Dell EMC, and we took a little bit of time off a breather, then started looking at what else there was in the market. Kubernetes bubbled back up to the surface. Mm -hmm. And... The growth since our early experiences with it convinced us from first principles that A, it would win compared to other things such as Docker, Mesosphere, et cetera. And B, as more enterprises moved applications into this environment, data protection, data management in a multi-cloud world and a self-service world would become increasingly important. So that's how Caston started back in the day. And since we started, 
I mean, there's been no change, no pivot within the company. Where we had focus, we were convinced about where, how we could bring benefit to our customer, how we could help accelerate the journey, how we could be the trusted advisor. And that's a path we executed on. Got you. So obviously it was an attractive proposition for Veeam. Um, uh-huh. And now you've been there for a couple of weeks. Obviously, you're probably not able to say too much about exactly how everything's going to pan out. But um, yeah, like I said, congratulations on that. And I'm, I'm delighted that you've landed, uh, in, you know, obviously back in the, the store review type of world. So bad luck with your attempts to escape. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that was exciting. And you talked about obviously a previous um, previous startup that you were involved with. Mm-hmm. Was acquired by EMC. I don't know if it was acquired by EMC or Dell at the time, but obviously part of part of that family too. Um, so on your journey, you know, getting um, a lot of exposure to the startup culture, to mm-hmm. all of the challenges of you know building teams, raising funding, obviously mm-hmm. you know, having happy customers. What would you say is some of the things that you've you know, maybe learned, you know, either because it worked or maybe because it didn't work so well and you found a better way of doing it. What would you, what would you say are some of the things that you've learned on the journey? So I think some of the things we learned in my previous chapters of my career that we put in place here is the importance of culture within a company. Mm. That is on day one, when the company was incorporated, me and Weber, my co-founder, well, we've been working together forever. You mentioned Carnegie Mellon. We actually went to undergrad together and we've been working extremely closely for over 10 years now. Um, and culture was important. Before we founded, we figured out well, who did we aspire to be when we grew up? Who did we want within the company? What kind of environment did we want? And some of the big things that we really focused on was transparency and openness which I think has made a big difference. We share everything within the company, right? Apart from things that we can't legally share, personal information, et cetera. Right? Everything is open. We have a board meeting. All board meeting slides are shared as an example. Investors show up for the board meeting review with the entire team. All financials right down to the last penny or cent. Um, everything is open people feel free to ask questions people know where the company's at any point and whether for good or for bad right it's not just about sharing the positive news it's about sharing the news that might be hard at that point in time and talking about the plan moving forward so i think trust um transparency has made a big impact to the success of the company Mm. in terms of how we run things Obviously, other smaller things, how to build teams, how to run them, how to hire the right kind of people, all those also show up. And if people are curious, we actually have put up all the notes on our culture, right? Independent of Castlereagh, right? so there's no product branding, anything of that, that sort. But if you go to Castlereagh.io slash careers, the first thing we have before we describe our jobs, uh, openings, etc., is our culture deck. It looks a little bare, but it has all the information one wants. We have a separate thing for engineering, which is specific, us being a heavy R&D organization, or what we were early on in our careers uh, at Casson, and also generally for the entire company cross-functional. 
Mm. So rate of people are curious, I'd love also the feedback on what we have out there. Got you. We can guess where I've just gone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just want to have a look at your culture deck, which I went up on. Let's have a little look. Right. Yeah. Catch you, I'll catch you now. Here we go. So this deck, just like the company, will always be a work in progress. Feedback, welcome and appreciated. Culture is a shared outlook. Mm-hmm. Culture is strategy, which is a quote from Jim Collins. It's the good to be, well, to good to great at all of them. And enables us to outcompete others, helps build a successful and portable company. I won't ask you to repeat all of these because you probably don't look at them. They, you live them, you don't look at them, right? Um, so you've, I won't go through all of these because I don't, I don't want to have to, you know, want to leave a little something for people to go and have a look at themselves. But you talk about your values, which is define and exemplify our culture, define our individual behavior, attract amazing co-workers, and used values are used to promote reward and crop. So, yeah, so very exciting. Well, I shall have a little bit more of a look at that um, at a later date. And we can set up a little link into that in the growth group as well, if anybody wants to go and dive in a little bit, for, you know, a bit further into what you're doing. So that's great. So obviously beyond culture, beyond transparency, which I think is very commendable because I think you know, as you say, there are good times and there are quite often quite tough times too. Um, and if you can't pull together during both of those, then, you know, particularly for the latter, then it could be quite a painful experience. Um, what would you say you might have done differently um, retrospectively now? So, such great questions, Reen. Like I said, as always, 2020. Think about that for a second. What would I have done differently? Right. Um, so a couple of things, right? We are in this post impact of COVID world, right? And something that we did is our team is somewhat distributed, right? We have offices in the Bay Area in Salt Lake City. We have a few people in India too. So we have right now three locations. So we always distributed. I think something I would have wanted to do if I had done things differently was just go completely remote from the beginning. COVID has hurt a lot of people personally. The impact cannot be understated today. But from a professional impact, I think it has helped people not just stay safe in the times we are in today, but working remotely helps cut down and commute, improves people's quality of life, it doesn't tie people down to particular geography, gives them more options. And, and it's, you know, we all, there's no one, and especially in young companies, right? There's no one standing over your shoulder monitoring your work as an example, right? It's also not just a part of the culture. And we we should have just taken that to the logical extreme and said, why not go fully remote? I think this potentially something we'd have done a lot sooner, um, had I known, but all in all, given where we are at today, right, there's not that much I would have changed. Some of it just because we've learned so much from previous things we might have not done the greatest or, you know, things we knew we could improve on. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just how we would have built a team out would have probably changed a little bit, given everything that we know today. Because you could have done things in a different way with people who perhaps weren't in those pockets, you could have gone a bit more like not this exactly, but national and 
um, taking it that that approach. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think there's probably a few people are looking back and going, "Why didn't we do this before? This is brilliant." You know, it's got its ups and downs, right? But yeah. but it overall, there's lots of ups too. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it's a lot about saving money. We did the math on this, where sure maybe you save on office leases, but you probably go spend that and then some more on doing offsite for the entire team, where everyone comes together a few times a year. So this is not at all about the budgetary impact. For me, this is about finding the right kind of people and potentially finding people that are underrepresented in a community, Hmm. in the uh, technical community, because they might be remote, they might not be living in a large hub. So how do we also give more exposure to those categories um, of folks out there? It's a combination of those things that I think, and it helps build a bigger and better team faster, I think. So. Uh-huh. I think we've all had a bit of a pivot in the way that we look at our working life. And yes. you know, a lot more of these types of things, not getting chance to meet up in person events. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously there would have been a few of those potentially where we could have sat down and had a nice coffee and, uh-huh. you know, had this conversation face to face. But you know, it does make a level playing field. It doesn't matter that I'm in London and just yep. in the valley. You know, we can mm-hmm. talk very easily and it's a very accepted part of working life now, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, um, And as an aside, I love London, by the way. I've been there many times in my life. Spent three months in Cambridge also at an earlier point in time. But really like the UK. Well, good. Well, come on back and then maybe we can do the coffee sometime next year. I really look forward to it. So you can't really say too much about what the plans are, I would imagine, from a Veeam perspective. But um, sort of from from your, you know, obviously we've been working with your PR team and putting this podcast conversation together. And, you know, obviously you've come to our attention in Mm -hmm. the awards where you've, you know, obviously shone as a beacon in the containers trailblazers category. Um, You know, those types of things are, we're seeing, because we're very fortunate that this year, although I think you you guys did enter, but you obviously had to withdraw because unfortunately you got acquired. Fortunately, unfortunately you got acquired. Um, How important do you think things like that are, are being going to be moving forward because we've seen an incredible uptick in the number of entries this year i think particularly because we aren't a physical event we've never been we've always been virtual so virtually mm-hmm. we were kind of ahead of the curve um mm-hmm. do you see that things like that are going to continue for startups like you know yourselves in in making sure you you've got that kind of third party validation in your pitch deck um, I think so, yes, right? So it's not just about pitch decks, right? Pitch decks, definitely. But when I think for our customers, this validation does help of any other startup founders out there. I mean, what people will realize is that when even customers are wisened up to the fact about their awards that are genuine and that some awards that are not. And so they look out for those. And, but, you know, uh, we talked about trailblazers, but all of those things are very important to us as a company. 
because it demonstrates that we are being recognized by other neutral industry leaders, thought leaders, and peers out there. And that's meaningful to us, our investors, our customers, the team. So I think there is no going wrong there. And I would definitely, and I can see why more people apply in times like this as that recognition counts for a lot. Hmm. And it helps demonstrate that even in these trying times, companies are still making progress and they're still figuring out how do they innovate, how do they solve customer issues, how do they bring value to whoever, whether it's an enterprise, a developer, no matter who it might be at the end of the line, they're working hard on their problems. And so I think that's great validation to show. Well, should you ever in the future do another startup with, you know, always possible, you know, four or five years, we may well see you again in the tech trailblaze. Definitely hope so. I'll be first in line in your submission queue. Fantastic. Well, that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. So, um, you know, obviously we've talked about, you know, COVID times and nobody's going to to pretend that this has been easy. Obviously, some of the changes for a lot of us who have remained healthy have been positive. You know, work-life balance has been shifted. But, you know, there are obviously a lot of terrible, terrible downsides to it all. Um, what, what were you... You know, obviously you've been going through a, a very interesting time, going through an acquisition, being acquired. But say that hadn't happened at this time, what would you be focusing on to the, from the edge of, of these things? Yeah, no, I think it's a very good point. And COVID surprised us somewhat. We thought business was going to come to a crashing halt. Um, we thought that we would be in a scenario where everything would slow down. But what COVID has also helped accelerate everyone working from home, uh, people being remote, it's accelerated digital transformation within companies. And there's been a lot of conversation around that. Yeah. And for us, what we discovered uh, and what we also saw was that COVID actually accelerated our business. Mm-hmm. It was trying and challenging under the circumstances. But I remember early this year, right, um, I'm based in California, and we went into Shelton Place in March. We had a board meeting in May where we discussed the impact of COVID and how we had plan A, B, and C scenarios like this. And then we had a forecast for the board. This is what we'll do this quarter, and the quarter was ending a month and a half after that. Right? And we thought we'd great visibility. We far exceeded the quarter in terms of financial results. Um, so, and I see that when I'm, I'm even surprised by that. So I went and checked with a number of my peer CEOs in the startup space that are in the cloud native container world. And I got similar notes back from predominant, all of them saying for cloud native, if you're in the digital transformation space, business is accelerating today. So it had, I think. And we could talk a little bit about Veeam too, but independent of whether we had been acquired or not, we had an independent path forward. We had lots of cash in the bank going into end of next year. And what we would have looked at is how do we accelerate a business right now, right? Or if we hadn't been in this position, how could we change what we're doing to latch on to what customers were really focused on today? 
but we were again fortunate as far as that goes. Uh, it was unexpected, definitely, but very fortunate. I suppose that, are there any other things that you'd like to share about your experiences so far and, you know, and, and what you see the future will hold from your perspective? Sure. You know, all startups are journeys, especially when we talk to um, your listeners today. That come that do a lot of startup uh, business. The things that I would recommend, and these were some of the things, challenges you ran into, right? Always daily ups and downs, and I've been through it, and other people have been through it, and you figure that out, right? But you can only figure that out if you have the right team in place. And having the right team in place also allows you to move so much faster. Right, and that we really benefited from. For an enterprise product, as an example, we release to customers every two weeks. We still do so in the new world um, as a part of Veeam. And I mean, we'll talk about Veeam in a second, but I think just figuring out the right team will stack the odds in your favor. And I think that is the biggest takeaway I have from this experience. I could not have done this without everyone else I was in the company. I think the price one can place on people you can trust implicitly and explicitly is, I, I can't value that, right? That now at Veeam, the number of people we are now technically at a fifth or sixth company or institution to working together. Right? So not just me and my co-founder, but the like five, six of us that we've just been working together for a while. Mm. Right across different companies, large and small. Yeah. Starting from 2007, 2010 or so. Yeah. And it's just, you know, at the end of the day, there'll always be interesting, exciting work. And then what really gives everyone job satisfaction is the people you work with. Yeah. Yeah. It is all about the people. I help, I unlock, but all the people doing the heavy lifting are the part of the cast and team. And I feel honored and proud to have worked with them. And I believe that if we focus on the team building aspects, if we focus on bringing the right people in, that will help address the, you know, the harder times, not necessarily the hard times, but the harder times when they come about and help in just prove it, making sure startups are hard. Most startups fail. But how do you make sure one has the best chance of success and how can you optimize the things one controls? And that's what I'd focus on. The other thing is obviously getting get great set of advisors on board because the other thing we sometimes at different stages of the company were how do we get in front of where the problems you're going to face six months from now? Assuming you're on a growth path, we always had how do we scale? What are the next set of people? What are the next set of functional teams we need? What are the next set of things we need to do? processes we might need to change, right? Or processes to introduce because we extremely like it as a startup. Um, how do you put those things in place? Getting the right set of advisors for that, I think was also extremely critical for us. Anything else that you'd like to share before we bring the podcast to a close? No, all you know, I would say is we actually can't talk a little bit about Veeam. Right? We are very excited. We've been partnering them for six months already. Yeah. Um, they're extremely supportive of things they haven't traditionally done, such as open source. Um, we are running as an independent business unit, so we obviously will be integrating with Veeam, but customers don't need to buy us. Veeam, like us, is very customer-focused. 
very customer obsessed, just like them. And so if they want an independent product coming from the new DevOps world, you have that. If they're bridging from the virtualization space, as a being custom into Kubernetes and containers, we'll have them covered. So very excited about the future, right? The casting team, the entire teams come over into Veeam and we're looking to rapidly grow and expand that. So, right, if any one of you, now that we are in particular going remote, right, if I could plug us for a second, if anyone wants an interesting career choice, definitely they should check us out. Yeah, I did notice there's quite, there's a few positions in EMEA actually. So not yes. just in the state. Yep. And we are growing, there's going to be a lot more open positions showing up uh, over the next few weeks. Yeah. Across the board. Fantastic. So stay tuned. So keep an eye on that camastitman.io forward slash careers and you'll know what's going on. Fantastic. Well, that's exciting and it's always great to hear. I mean, I love obviously talking to yourself and, and your mm-hmm. your sort of peers about the successes. So it's always wonderful to to see that, you know, you've come to that, that stage where you can now say, yay, we've done it, we've been acquired. But obviously you're not walking away now. You're still very much yep. there building, you know, the business within the, the bigger family now. So that's exciting for you too. So I wish you and the team the very best of luck. Um, and yeah. thank you for taking the time for joining us here on the Tetra Blazers Founders on Fire podcast. That is yeah. Niraj Tolia, who is the VP and founder of Caston.io and is now part of the Veeam family. So if you've enjoyed listening to this, please give us a review and follow us on social at Tech Trailblaze and also LinkedIn under Tech Trailblazers. Thank you very much.